Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. It's an unfortunate reality that so many people basically stumble over the simplicity of the gospel message. I suppose it's because that we are so prone to thinking about God as someone who we need to clean up our lives for and heaven as a place that we need to work hard to attain. Well, certainly we cannot stand in God's presence the way we are. And certainly heaven is not open for unprepared sinners. But the gospel message really comes to us from God's view, not ours. In today's broadcast, we'll hear from evangelist Mr. Dan Shutt as he explains the Bible's message of salvation, which can be described in three basic ways. Number one, it's solemnity. Yes, the fact that we are sinners in desperate need of salvation and definite peril of judgment. And secondly, it's shocking aspect. The fact that an offended God actually wants to forgive rebellious sinners and has gone to great lengths to do so. And yes, thirdly, it's simplicity. How the forgiveness of sins can be received as a free gift from God apart from our works. Interested? Follow along as Mr. Shun explains. The New Testament begins with the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then there's the book of the Acts. The book of the Acts is divided into chapters. We're going to read in chapter 13. And we're going to read in at verse number 26. This is a very, let me just say this before I read, just because I I want you to be aware of this and I won't be able to say it later. This is a very interesting chapter of the Bible because this is the first recorded gospel message of a man that we know as the Apostle Paul. And it's a very beautiful message, and I wish I had time to read all of it to you and to speak from all of it. But the subject of the message is found in verse 23, the last three words, because this message is about a Savior, Jesus. Now, I want you to look at verse 26. Paul is preaching to his kinsmen, fellow Israelites, and he says, Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, here's the part I'm reading for, To you is the word or the message of salvation sent. Now drop your eye down to verse 32. And we declare unto you glad tidings. In modern Canadian English, that is, we're preaching good news. Now drop your eye down to verse 38. Because here is the message of salvation. Here is the good news that is being preached. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, you all know who that is now, it's a Savior, Jesus, through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. 
People are always interested in our story. People are always interested in the details of your life, and that's that's well and good. Just natural curiosity, that's what friends do with each other. But I want to tell you just for a minute about my two grandfathers tonight. I'm sure you don't know this. Because my two grandfathers could not have been more different. They were the two most opposite people you could possibly put in a room. My mother's father was brilliant. He was smart, he was overeducated, he was a professor and a dean of economics. He actually used to teach at Princeton with Albert Einstein. He lived down the street from my grandma and grandpa. He was a world traveler, he was a thoroughly worldly man, and he was an atheist. And in spite of the great likelihood that his father was a Christian and likely his mother too, my grandfather grew up to hate God and to hate the gospel, so much so that my mother grew up not even knowing whether or not the Lord Jesus was even a real man and had no thoughts of her soul or of anything serious about what lay beyond. My other grandfather was very different. He was a simple man, really, Grandpa Shut. He uh, spent his early years working as a printer. Later, he became a rural postman. And for the number of years that I knew him, that was his job. And he traveled throughout his community delivering mail. For many years, he had an old Model T car with skis on the front of it so he could navigate the deep snow in northern Michigan. And for many, he was the kind of the glue of civilization. If somebody needed medicine, well, the postman could drop it off. If somebody needed to take a sick baby into town, well, Grandpa had a car when nobody else did. You know, just a humble man. The thing I, I think about my grandpa is just this. He was a man who had messages to deliver. Does everybody get that? See, he didn't go into the post office with a blank piece of paper and say, I wonder what I'm going to write to the farmers today. He didn't do that. That wasn't his job. And he didn't open the mail that other people had written and say, oh, that's pretty poor grammar here. Let's just X this out and let's, let's fix this up. Let's, that's pretty dull. That wasn't what his job was. He had one single focus, deliver the message. I think my grandfather, in a spiritual way, God saved him later in life in a series of tent meetings. But I think that he'd be very happy to know that three of his grandchildren, two of his great-grandchildren actually, were serving the Lord in the gospel tonight. Do you know why? Because, just like my grandpa, are not here to invent a message. We're not here to modify a message. We're not here to improve a message. We have one single job. May God help us to do it well. And that is, in the words of the apostle, to deliver the message, the good news of salvation to you. And I hope that you will appreciate that God in his general grace, in his providence, has gifted us all with many things. Through civilization and science and culture, he has preserved us and blessed us in countless ways. But there is one gift that he has for us that is a gift of the highest priority. It is this. God has sent us the message of salvation. This isn't our philosophy or our reasoning or our religion. This is good news from heaven. But I would like you to listen tonight to what God has to say to you. 
God has a message, and it is a message for you. Listen to what Paul says. To you is the message of salvation sent, and we declare unto you glad tidings. I've done a lot of things in my little life, different things that interest me and maybe interest others. The greatest thing I know to do is to just present you with this message of salvation tonight. There are three things I, I want to tell you. This is so simple tonight, but here's the three things I want to tell you. I want to tell you, first of all, that the gospel is a solemn message. That just means serious. This is a serious message. I'm a happy man. And, you know, I, I like to tell jokes and stories, and I like to laugh, and uh, I, I, life is good, and I, I have a good time. But I'm going to tell you, the gospel is a serious message. And that's why we, we're not here to just fool around. We're not just here to entertain. This is a serious message that demands your closest attention. Second thing I want to tell you that this is a shocking message. Because what we have read that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Maybe, maybe we get used to the message. You know, it's sort of like advertising. You know, after you've heard it about 300 times, it doesn't even register. It just, it just goes in one ear and out the other. It just, uh, to use all the metaphors I can think of, water off a duck's back. You know, you know all the things we say. I'm going to tell you that if you stop and think about the gospel message, there's nothing more shocking in the world than that God wants to forgive guilty sinners. Last of all, I'm going to argue that this is a simple message. I'm so glad that the message of salvation is not for theologians. It's not just for men with long gray beards. You know, it's, it's not just for people who are spiritual, whatever that means. This is a message for us. Little children can take it in. I was saved. God saved me when I was eight years old. I sometimes struggle. I look at eight-year-olds and I think, I wonder if they can understand this message. Well, you know something? I didn't know much. But I knew that I was a sinner. And I knew that the wrath of God was bearing down on all who died in their sins. And I wanted to be rescued from my sin and the consequence of dying in my sins. And just in my simplicity, I discovered that Jesus died for me. And that God was offering his salvation as a free gift. And, you know, just one night on a Sunday night, uh, at the on the very first night of a gospel series, yeah, I just, just took it in. And I couldn't explain propitiation or sanctification. I'm probably not too sure where Ezekiel really was in those days, but uh, you know something? I just discovered that Jesus died for me. And in the simplicity of a child, I just took it for myself. Dear friend, this is a simple message tonight. This wonderful, simple message of salvation through this man Jesus is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. Let me start with this idea that this is a serious message. Because the bottom line is, is that we're in trouble and we need to be rescued. I read a story, I think this was about two years ago, about a man who lived in Britain. He was a very, uh, a very eccentric man. He was afflicted with a disease. And by the way, I'm just going to say something to preface what I'm going to say. And that is this. In no sense am I making fun of this man or making fun of his condition. Okay, so just I want to clear the decks with that one. I actually have a person in my extended family who suffers somewhat from this. And so it's something that's real to me. And so I'll just say that. But here's the problem. He had an obsessive compulsive disorder. He couldn't throw things away. And so for many years after his wife had died, he filled his home 
with everything he could find. He actually had his home so full that he traveled within his own home through a network of tunnels. One day, I don't know whether he had a stroke or whether he just had dementia, he actually lost his way in his own home, and he starved to death or died of dehydration. And you know, when I read that story, I mean, it moved me at a personal level. I know they've made a TV show about this kind of thing. I, I find that utterly repulsive, that someone would make merchandise of the illness of others. I think that's just disgusting. But you know, when I thought about that story, I thought of the gospel application. It's just this. You listening? All of us are in a maze of our own making. Our sin is accumulating in our lives, and even though we manage to wiggle our way around through the, the maze of sin that we've created, because that's an apt description of the lives of men and women who have never had their sins forgiven. Sin growing in all its, all its number, in all its weight, and utterly in the end, it will destroy you without mercy. I tell you tonight, the issue of sin is a serious matter. We live in a world where television and movies and the culture and music try to convince us that sin is something other than an offense against God. That sin is something that really has no effect upon us. When the evidence is all around us, we live in a broken, fallen world. And men and women go back again and again and again to the fountain of their sin. And they're unsatisfied. And they are miserable. And the tragedy is they not only live in their sins, they die in their sins. And a more miserable end could never be imagined than for a person to go into eternity lost and in their sins. You know, there's a verse in the Old Testament. It's repeated twice. I think that's God's way of using a highlighter. It's found in Proverbs chapter 14 and Proverbs chapter 16. It just says this, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know what that means? just means this. God isn't interested in how you feel your life is going. God isn't interested in your philosophy. He's not interested in negotiating your religion. He just wants you to know tonight you're lost. I know some of us who are men <clears throat> particularly have a difficult time uh, with that concept of being lost. I uh, have told my family on a number of occasions that dad is temporarily exploring alternate pathways. <laughs> I just don't find it easy to say I'm lost. Because that involves giving up, and that's something that I was, I don't have a genetic predisposition to. But you know something? When it comes to the gospel, I want you all to listen to this. God only saves one kind of person. You know what it is? God only saves lost sinners. Oh, the world is full of people that are headstrong. The world is full of people like me that have got way too much pride. The world is full of people that are just going their own way at full tilt. Some are going up Fool's Hill and some are crashing on the other side. You know what God wants us to find tonight? He wants us to find that we're lost. And that is the solemnity of this message. We're in trouble. We need to be rescued. We need the forgiveness of sins. How wonderful that God in His grace sends the message of salvation. He sends us good news that through the Lord Jesus is preached unto you. The forgiveness of sins. Those sins that are ruining our lives. Those sins that are going to damn us eternally. This is a serious message. 
and we need to take it seriously tonight. I want to tell you, secondly, about how shocking this message is, because we live in a very, how shall I describe it? We live in a very selfish, self-centered world. I heard a story, this is a couple years ago too, about a man named Alan Haywood. He was down in the States in the Washington, D.C. subway. A group of teenagers, I think it was just a random act of stupidity and violence, they began to assault the man. I think they were trying to steal his phone or something. I don't remember what all the details are. And the shocking part of the story is not so much that these teenagers did this, because that happens in Toronto and it happens in New York and in lots of places this happens. I'll tell you what the shocking part of the story is. There were people standing all around on the platform, and not one single person had the guts to lift one finger to protect that man. In fact, there was one filming it on his iPhone and he offered to sell him a video of his own beating once it was all over. That's the kind of world we live in. People are only interested in themselves. And the stories go on and on of people who are assaulted and people who are harmed. And people just look the other way. Just let it happen. You know, I sometimes tell young people, you know, it's it's a great thing to turn away from the news. Uh, you don't even know what a newspaper is, okay? It's a good. It's a great thing to turn away from your iPhone and turn to the Bible. I love it. Because the Bible's central story is a story of the most selfless act that has ever been found in human history. I want you to just listen to this really quickly. The most selfish act in human history. You say, what's that? Well, it was Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruit. You say, well, why was that selfish? I'll tell you why. Because they ruined an entire race. They spoiled an entire world, and by one sinful, rebellious, disobedient act, they impacted everybody that came after. How can you not describe that as the single most selfish act in human history? That's why it's so awesome to come to the cross, isn't it? And to discover that in the death of Christ is the single most selfless act that the world has ever seen. I want you to look at that through the eyes of God the Father. You know, I only have one son. And I treasure him very highly. Any of you with sons and daughters understand what I mean, but I'm just talking about my son because I'm aligning my story with the story of the Lord Jesus. You know, when my son Dan was a little boy, I seem like a pretty nice guy up here, but I can be really fierce. And when it comes to my children, I was. You know, I wouldn't send him to a place where I thought he would be harmed or disrespected. I wouldn't send him to a home where there were drugs or pornography or where there was abuse. I I wouldn't send my son to a place like that. Isn't it amazing that God sent his son selflessly to a world where he would be despised and rejected of men? I worship tonight at the thought of the father sending the son to be the savior of the world. But more than that, I tell you tonight, what a wonder. What an act of grace, of selfless grace, that the Lord Jesus himself, not coerced by the father, Did you all get that? The Lord Jesus did not come because the Father twisted his arm. No, no. He came in love. Does that shock you? To a world that didn't love him in return. He came to die for people that had rebelled against him. He came to bring salvation and life to those who had no concern for him. I tell you tonight, the gospel is the most amazing story I know of. 
It's the story of a Savior who loved me when I was unlovable. A Savior who died from me when the death was the death that I deserved. The Savior who lifted the burden and paid the debt and cleansed the darkness of my sin. He did it all for me. That's shocking. And it's wonderful. Say, have you ever taken that message in tonight? Has that become your story? The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I just have a minute, and I want to just touch on this last point. It is a a solemn message because we are perishing because of our sins. It is a shocking message because somebody else has cared enough about our sin to meet our need. That's why through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Here's the last thing. This is a simple message. And I could hardly sit down without just saying a word or two about this. You see, this message of salvation, this Savior that this message concerns is a gift tonight that is waiting to be received. Think back to your last birthday or think back to Christmas maybe or graduation or whatever some significant event is in your life. Remember what other people did for you? Maybe it was mom and dad. Maybe it was a big brother or some friends of yours. And at their own expense, they went to the store, they went to the mall, or and they got you a nice gift. They didn't ask you for money. They bore the expense themselves. They wrapped it in the most attractive package that they could find. And on the day that you know, Christmas morning, whatever it is. There it is. It's the gift. What's the message that comes with a gift? Well, you know what it is. I mean, it isn't even a spoken message. It's implied. When a gift is offered, our responsibility is just to take it, to receive it as our own, and just say thank you. Have you ever taken the Lord Jesus to be your Savior? Have you ever received this message of forgiveness of sins through the Lord Jesus, and just made it your own. God's not interested in your works. You know, you couldn't pay God if you tried. God just wants you to take it and say thank you, and live in the enjoyment of sins forgiven. This is not a complicated sermon that I've been preaching. Listen, to you, God sends a message of salvation. It's good news, because through the Lord Jesus, you can have the forgiveness of sins. Yes, my friends, salvation is a gift to simply receive and to thank the giver for. Yes, indeed, it's a solemn message as well, a serious one, and one that you cannot ignore. And it's a shocking one, don't you agree, that the God of heaven has approached sinful mankind with an offer of love and forgiveness so freely given. The Christian gospel is unique in this extravagant display of love and grace. So don't be among those who stumble at the wonderful simplicity of the free salvation for all who trust in Christ. Come into the good of God's offer today, won't you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message, and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, 
or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.